Welcome to Lymphedema Podcast. I'm Betty Westbrook, Certified Lymphedema Therapist and the host of Lymphedema Podcast. The purpose of Lymphedema Podcast is to provide answers and explanations for people affected by the lymphatic disease lymphedema. This podcast is for patients, family members, medical professionals, and anyone interested in lymphedema. Each week, I discuss a new topic related to this disease to help you learn more and navigate better the journey ahead. Disclaimer, as a certified lymphedema therapist, all information provided is based on my professional experiences and education. I recommend that anyone who feels they have lymphedema or have been medically diagnosed with lymphedema seek in-person medical treatment from a certified lymphedema therapist. I'm so passionate about teaching others about lymphedema that I created this podcast. Thanks for joining me. I hope you're ready to learn something new today. Welcome back for episode 11 of Lymphedema Podcast. I hope you've enjoyed my guests to help spotlight Lymphedema Awareness Month and World Lymphedema Day. Judy and Vern are great examples of advocacy in our grassroots organization. They are passionate and hard at work to bring change for our lymphedema community. Today's topic is secondary lymphedema. What is it? How is it different from Vern's story of primary lymphedema? and what you should look for if you're at risk of developing secondary lymphedema. Any lymphedema unrelated to a developmental abnormality in the lymphatic system or a hereditary trait is considered secondary. When it's primary, lymphedema can be present as early as birth or develop later in life. Secondary lymphedema is not related to genetic traits or abnormalities. It's due to an insult to the lymphatic system that disrupts the natural process. 90% of all lymphedema cases reported are secondary. 68% of those cases are related to cancer treatment side effects, while only 22% are classified as other. So how is it different from Vern's story of primary lymphedema? Her story of primary dystichiasis lymphedema is different from secondary because of two main reasons. One, she has a hereditary trait that's three generations long. And two, she has the presentation of double eyelashes. That's the dystichiasis part of the formal diagnosis. Linked on the Lymphedema Podcast website and originally found on the Lymphedema Treatment Act page is a PDF titled not one disease. This graphic lists over 40 rare diseases that are related to primary lymphedema. Secondary lymphedema not related to cancer includes injuries like a burn, paralysis, crush injuries, surgeries, infections, and prolonged edema. People who have large burns involving skin grafts and painful wound care are at increased risk for secondary lymphedema, The reason is because the lymphatic vessels are embedded into the fatty tissue just below the skin. If the burn is deep enough to damage these superficial structures, then lymphedema can occur. Paralysis can lead to secondary lymphedema because muscle activity is lost. You may remember in the episode titled, What is Lymphedema? We discussed how lymph fluid is circulated. Muscle activity propels the fluid through the body So without the activation of the muscles and the increased time sitting, usually in wheelchairs, there's pulling of the fluid in the feet. 
It's common to see the swelling come and go with elevation, but eventually the lymphatic system will become overwhelmed and the swelling will stay. Compression at a lower level is needed for those with paralysis, so be sure to be fitted by a certified fitter or certified lymphedema therapist to ensure you aren't wearing compression that is too high. Surgeries can lead to secondary lymphedema. There are risks with surgery, and not just the part where you may not wake up. They have assigned those consent forms for a reason. The lymphatic system is everywhere that you have skin. So anywhere a surgeon may cut, there is a chance to disrupt the lymphatic system. This isn't to scare you out of having surgery because it's rare to develop lymphedema after a routine procedure. There are areas of the body though where the lymphatic system has a higher concentration of vessels and lymph nodes, and these areas are the ones that are more likely to cause secondary lymphedema. For a visual reference, look up an image of the lymphatic system. You'll see there clusters in our armpits, inner thighs, and our neck. Many lymphatic vessels bottleneck at the elbow and the knee bend, so those are areas that can be at risk during a surgery as well. Prolonged swelling can be primary or secondary related, but for the topic of secondary, we will focus on poor circulation related to chronic venous insufficiency. When the venous system cannot return blood to the heart as it should, swelling can occur in the legs. The prolonged intermittent swelling can lead to secondary lymphedema because of the increased workload on the lymphatic system and the increased amount of deoxygenated blood pooling in the legs. Wounds can develop and there is often a change in skin color. This is called hemosiderin staining from the heme or iron in the blood. Before moving on to secondary lymphedema related to cancer, let's recap non-cancer related causes. Because secondary lymphedema is caused by an injury to the lymphatic system, the causes have a wide range. The most common causes are full thickness burns, soft tissue infections, crush injuries, surgical scarring, prolonged edema, and paralysis. The way these injuries occur have an even wider range of possibilities. Hi there, my name is Amanda Sobe and this is my story. I have secondary lymphedema in my right leg and I have this, had this condition for 18 years now. The way how I developed this condition was out of trauma, and it was actually a physical trauma not related to cancer or surgery, but a secondary trauma altogether, as well as when this trauma did happen, I actually couldn't walk on my right leg at all because of the circumstances, and I thought that I had actually sprained my ankle due to this traumatic event. I ended up using A535 and using a tensor bandage to help mitigate the painfulness and to help me walk again, thinking that it was just a sprained ankle, no big deal. And after three weeks of not being able to walk on my foot, it started to perplex me that maybe there was something more going on. So I decided to remove the tensor bandage and literally right before my eyes within 60 seconds, my foot puffed up. Eventually, the puffiness went from my foot to my ankle, my ankle to my calf. And that's when about I realized I have a big issue, so I should probably go to the doctors. 
based upon that happening, um, it wasn't too long until I got referred to go see a a lymphatic specialist and they did the radioactive dye between the toes to test whether or not I had the condition. The name of the the condition is really, really long. It's like lymphoscarfinogi. I did that terribly. But people who know that are out there, they recognize that uh, it was a radioactive nucleotide dye that was put between my toes that helped me understand that I did have a compromised lymphatic system. The doctor then gave me a prescription for compression garments and told me that I would need a manual lymph drainage for the rest of my life and said that I had no cure and walked out of the room. And that was it. I was absolutely completely devastated. I was 21 at that time when this all happened, so I was still very young. My leg was completely swollen at that point in time, which prevented me from wearing shoes properly, wearing clothes properly. Um, I couldn't work in the same industry that I had before because you had to wear, you know, nice clothes. And with your clothing being one leg, pant leg is two, three times larger than your left leg. It's kind of restricted what you could wear. So I had to change careers. Um, I didn't get my prescription filled for compression garments right away. I was left mostly in denial and embarrassed and upset. So I just basically let the condition exist and thrive in me. And I did nothing. I just thought, oh, it was a bad dream. One day I'll wake up and it'll just disappear just as quickly as it came. And it never did. And then after um, probably many, many months, almost an entire calendar year after the diagnosis, I finally started to go see a garment fitter. And it was a terrible experience. I felt that every garment fitter that I went to, they wouldn't listen to my needs. The compression strength was wrong. The length of the garment was wrong. The different styles were wrong. And I guess because of the way how I received my lymphedema, I was not insurable through any insurance companies. Thereby, I couldn't get the proper garments or the proper funding to obviously rotate and switch and try different garments and try to see what works. So my knowledge and my understanding of treating this condition was very much delayed. As well as that time, too, we're talking back in 2002, there really wasn't a ton of information based on this. Um, It was always more so cancer-related, never ever the secondary trauma in the way how I had received the condition. So it made it very difficult to understand how I could help myself. Um, After I finally found some compression garments that worked for me, they changed a lot. I felt better. I felt supported. My pain kind of sort of went down, but still the swelling persisted and it didn't matter what I tried to do or didn't do. It just was a constant in my life. Eventually uh, about Six months after I got my compression garments, I ended up trying to seek MLD, and that was very trying as well, too, because every therapist that I tried, it would cost me $75 per treatment, and of course, that's not covered, and the swelling never went down. There never seemed to be an effective massage that would actually help me, so after many more tries and many more attempts, I finally found a therapist. Um, living in Winnipeg, Manitoba. Um, I was living out on the West Coast in British Columbia at that time, so I had to travel to go see this MLD therapist, and it was finally then that her technique really made a difference, and I felt that I was getting a little bit better, but again, understanding and knowing that this technique has to be done daily to make a difference, um, 
it was very unfeasible for somebody like me to seek treatment and to seek care. Eventually, through my journey of this process with lymphedema, I became a full-time single parent. So I have these two children that I'm constantly responsible for, plus my health, plus the financial burden of trying to pay for your garments and your MLD appointments and everything else that comes with, there still wasn't much information. And I pretty much stayed a recluse. It affected my self-esteem. It affected the way how I interacted with my life. It just completely, you just end up giving up after a while because with limited financial resources and lack of knowledge and education, and also you feel ashamed of yourself. So your confidence and your esteem level um, kind of keeps you hidden. You just don't take care of your body properly, or you don't take care of yourself the way you should. You just kind of just put up with it and carry on forward. 14 years later, um, so in 2016, I finally I had a really bad episode where I was bedridden incredibly sick I couldn't even walk anymore it was horrible and um, it was that point that I recognized that I really had to start taking care of myself and taking care of my lymphedema which resulted in getting the proper compression garments which included proper self-care and MLD massage it required an understanding of good food and good food choices and understanding what affects lymphedema and what foods to avoid I've also turned into a certified personal trainer and bodybuilder um, because of the fantastic things that I've managed to figure out to help control this condition. But exercising is also essential, but you have to exercise properly. So in my daily life now, currently is filled with a series of steps, a system that I follow as close to possible every day to mitigate the swelling, to encourage um less pain and just to get back into the real world and just be happy understanding that this lymphedema condition as much as it's been kind of a burden it's taught me a lot about consistency it's taught me a lot about health and fitness and nutrition it's also um, allowed me the opportunity to find other people like me which is pretty cool because I never met somebody with lymphedema until actually after I had basically controlled the swelling so that was pretty eye-opening to go through more than a decade of your life, almost two decades, not knowing anybody who's had this condition, not speaking to anybody, not knowing where my resources are, not not understanding what I could do about it. And it is now my personal mission to help talk about this condition that I deal with every single day, connect with other people around the world who have this condition and let them know that they are not alone and that there are people, places and things and social media has been great to help offer supports and education as well. Um, people can find me on Facebook at am.sobi, that's S as in Sam, O-B as in Bob, E-Y. I'm also on Instagram at am.sobi, LinkedIn under the same tagline, and my website will be up and running by the end of March 2019 under com. So for anybody wanting more information or is inspired by my story and wants to just stop and say hello, please do so. I am very accessible via those channels, and I'm very privileged and thankful to have this opportunity to talk about my story with you today. Secondary lymphedema related to cancer is not just because of the cancer itself. It really is more of a side effect from cancer treatment. Lymph node biopsy, lymph node removal, 
radiation, and chemotherapy are all necessary to help you fight cancer. Cancer treatment is intended to kill the cancer and save your life. That treatment comes with side effects that last longer than your hair loss and chemo brain. I don't say that jokingly or as an insult to anyone. It is just a truthful statement. Let's start with chemo. Taxane-based chemotherapy causes extracellular fluid in the body. That's just a fancy word for swelling. This increase of fluid can burden the already damaged lymphatic system after time resulting in lymphedema. Any injury to lymph nodes, be it through biopsy, dissection, or removal, leaves a high risk of developing secondary lymphedema. This is because the lymph nodes filter the lymph that is constantly being produced by the body. Here's a scenario that I like to use. Imagine a factory producing shoes. The machine is programmed to make 3,000 shoes a day. There are 100 employees along the conveyor belt to inspect and box those shoes. On Monday, two people call in. No big deal. There are others that can pick up the slack. But when 10 or 20 people call in, that really puts everyone behind. The machine is programmed to make 3,000 shoes and there is no way to change it. So by the end of the day, there are shoes and boxes piled up all over the place. There aren't enough workers to help keep up with the demand. In this scenario, the machine that produces the shoes is your body. And 3,000 shoes is really three liters of lymphatic fluid produced a day. Now, the body has countless numbers of lymph nodes. But when those lymph nodes are affected after a surgery, it does something to our system. Sometimes lymphedema will present after just a biopsy, while some will have 10 or more removed without any signs of lymphedema. It's a risk that comes with surgery, just like blood clots or nerve damage. Radiation therapy to treat cancer has its own special set of side effects. Often, patients experience radiation burns, localized swelling, skin discoloration, and scarring. The radiation can damage remaining lymph nodes and the lymphatic structures. Think for a second about what it does to cancer. It obliterates it, kills it, destroys it. Radiation cannot tell the difference between a healthy structure and an unhealthy structure. But there are some radiation oncologists who are more mindful of the side effect and they are making efforts to decrease the amount of radiation given or the frequency of treatments. Another way to decrease these side effects is the type of radiation. When radiation is paired with surgical removal of lymph nodes, the risk of developing secondary lymphedema skyrockets. Hi, my name is Jennifer Bunch and this is my story. I have secondary lymphedema as a result of breast cancer surgery, which also involved the removal of 23 lymph nodes uh, during that surgery. I was diagnosed with breast cancer in February of 2016 and had a double mastectomy in March of 2016. You know, the surgeons initially removed four lymph nodes, two of which came back as cancerous, so they then went in and removed an additional 18 lymph nodes, uh, which came back with no cancer, which is good, but at that point, the damage had been done to my lymphatic system. I began to notice swelling in my right arm uh, in August of that year, of 2016. My surgeons had warned me to keep an eye out for swelling uh, in my right arm, that it could be a condition called lymphedema, and that if I had any swelling, I should let them know. 
Well, I began to show signs of swelling, as I said, in uh, in August of 2016, and they referred me to a lymphedema specialist uh, here in Texarkana. Um, I still, at that point, really had no idea what lymphedema was. I mean, I knew it was swelling, but I had no idea that it was irreversible. I had no idea that it was something that I was going to be dealing with from here on out. So I began to learn more about it. I began going to therapy uh, that month, and I was having uh, the manual lymph drainage and being wrapped with the bandages uh, about three times a week. I had really good results uh, with the wraps and the MLD, and after a few months, I was measured for a compression sleeve and sent on my way. Uh, thought everything was going to be fine. I just had my my sleeves, and I was good about wearing them. Um, everything was good for a while, but in July of 2017, I was repainting our dining room, and I noticed that I had swelling in my hand suddenly as well as my arms across the top of my hand. Uh, I made my doctors aware, and I was referred back to therapy uh, to receive the MLD again and wrapping. Um, my new lymphedema therapist was able to help me get new garments, which included gauntlets this time as well as sleeves, um, and a pump that I could use at home, um, as well as a garment store at night. I had no idea. I I'd, I'd thought I had learned a lot about lymphedema the first time around, but I really realized I still pretty much knew nothing. <laughs> so I'm still learning. Um about just, just different aspects of it and different things I can do um, to help manage it myself at home. Um, went to therapy for a few more months and then was back out on my own again. In July of 2018, I was back in therapy again, though. The swelling had now uh, spread to my fingers as well as uh, my hand, and I couldn't bend my first two fingers very well. They were so full of fluid, and I couldn't get the fluid out of them. So my lymphedema therapist um, started me back on the MLD uh, and wrapping. She was able to get me some custom compression gloves uh, to help me control the swelling in my hand and fingers. And she's been such a blessing to me as I continue on this journey. Um, I wish I had known more earlier on. I feel like every time I learn something new, I think, why didn't I already know that? Um, I feel like there are things I could have done to have kept it from getting so bad, maybe in the first place. Uh, I didn't realize at the beginning that I was at such a high risk for developing the lymphedema due to the removal of the 23 lymph nodes. Um, and I didn't realize that there were some preventative measures that I could have taken. I didn't realize that I could have gotten compression garments right from the beginning that could have possibly helped keep it from getting as bad as it did. So my advice to anyone dealing with breast cancer that is going to result in surgery, for sure, is just to educate yourself about lymphedema early on so that you have a better chance of maybe preventing it, but if not preventing it, at least controlling it so that you don't have it get so out of control. I feel like I'm in a pretty good place with it now, though. I have it under control. I have good people helping me uh, take care of myself and, and helping to educate me. Cancer-related secondary lymphedema can be caused by some of these things. Surgery that biopsies or removes the lymph node from a particular region of the body. Chemotherapy radiation therapy to the lymph node region. Also, if there is surgery to remove tumor growth in an area of the body that has a lot of lymphatic vessels or lymph nodes, not all secondary lymphedema is caused by the exact same injury. Some may have one lymph node removed and develop lymphedema within days, while another person may have 19 lymph nodes removed and never show signs of swelling. Each story is unique. So if you find yourself on this journey, please don't compare or try to fit your story into the box of someone else's. It will exhaust you and leave you feeling even more isolated.
find community with others who share this disease, but please leave comparison out of it. Okay, I'll get off my soapbox of comparison now. Signs and symptoms of secondary lymphedema can be present right after surgery or injury, while some may not be present for months or even years. First, I want to address cancer-related risks of secondary lymphedema. After any surgery that affects the lymphatic system, you are considered in stage zero. This is also known as the latency stage. This means your lymphatic system has been injured and you have a form of lymphedema that's not currently visible. This is the best time to start wearing preventative compression. You can delay or prevent the lymphedema from presenting at full force by wearing preventative compression. It may sound silly and feel uncomfortable to wear compression before the swelling is present, but once the swelling sets in and the vessels are completely overwhelmed, there's no going back. In the event you have paralysis, you can still wear compression to help prevent the backup of fluid. However, keep in mind you do need to wear a lighter grade than most people. All right, to get back to the signs and symptoms of lymphedema, swelling that comes with increased activity and goes with rest is a very common symptom. A sensation of heaviness in the limb, tightness in the skin, and tightness when wearing clothes or jewelry. If you are at risk of developing secondary lymphedema, I recommend preventative compression before the swelling sets in. But let's be honest. Most of you listening are past the point of preventative compression. Ask your doctor about lymphedema as the reason for your swelling if they haven't addressed it with you already. After you have a formal diagnosis of lymphedema, you can seek out a certified lymphedema therapist in your area or within driving distance. It truly makes a difference to have a CLT treating you for lymphedema instead of a general protocol for swelling that includes a million heel raises or 30 minutes on the pulleys. A CLT will be able to explain lymphedema's do's and don'ts, as well as start complete decongestive therapy to help you get your independence back. Wearing compression daily and performing routine skincare are extremely important, and your CLT will be able to help you with that process. If you do not have a clinic that provides lymphedema treatment in your area, you can also look for a massage therapist who is certified as a lymphedema therapist. Massage therapists that offer lymphatic massage are not the same as a CLT. The compression aspect is crucial for decongestion and maintenance, and the lymphatic massage alone won't be enough. Finally, if you have secondary lymphedema, I urge you to join a support group. This can be in person or virtually through Facebook groups. However you do it, be honest and real and open because there are others out there who are struggling just like you are. Mother Teresa says, loneliness and the feeling of being unwanted is the most terrible poverty. This podcast is here for you to find friendship and a community for your journey with lymphedema. I hope you have enjoyed learning more about secondary lymphedema. Email me with your story if you would like to share lymphedemapodcast at gmail.com or visit the website lymphedemapodcast.com to submit a topic for another episode.